The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Saturday, November 2nd, 2019, and you are tuned in to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hami Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking some WWE blood money, whatever happened on SmackDown, NXT, AEW, New Japan, and some ROH. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hitting the marks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the voice, the real RBV, Rick. What a boring Saturday in the world of college football. Well, you know, here we go. We're going to excite things up because it's me. It's me. It's that R to the B to the V back again on the hitting the marks.com platform. Hitting Mark pro wrestling podcast. Hey, I'm going to kick off. The, I'm going to kick off today's show with some breaking news. This is coming in. You know, we've got all of this turmoil, so much speculation. What's going on in Saudi? It looked like, you know, the, the staff. The talents, they were all locked down. We're going to get to that, but some breaking news at the top of the show here. It seems the reason that Vince was able to get the hell out of Dodge there uh, is because of a guarantee made by one Professor AOC, yes, from our own PW Hustle, uh, that he has guaranteed to orally satisfy the Grand Prince for uh, Sweet Vince's release. So there you go. Uh, the man that is always there to have WWE back, he is putting... He's literally putting his mouth where the money's at. Thank you, Professor, for saving old man McMahon. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, We are going to talk about blood money. We are going to talk about SmackDown. Uh, We were going to record yesterday, Rick, and then, like, something just told me, like, this is the most interesting episode of SmackDown in literally months. Let's hold off. Let's record on Saturday. I want to see what's going to happen tonight. And it was a great episode of SmackDown, and there's a lot of problems coming out of it. We'll talk about that after we talk about Blood Money 4. Huckleberry, I didn't watch the show, of course. Big surprise to everybody. But I know that you did watch the show. Overall, before we talk about what actually happened on the card, what were your overall thoughts of the show? You know, ultimately, these things is, you know, we're on the fourth installment here of the trips over there to the Middle East and And again, you know, I'm one that's not going to chastise WWE for making this business decision. And it seems that, you know, it's been very lucrative up to this point. I know we are getting some reports now that they are owed a little bit of back pay, uh, which, believe me, you know, as a bill collector, if you're down in accounting, you know, you're making some phone calls. You're trying to knock on some doors because we just saw the quarterly reports and they weren't very favorable towards WWE. And they probably what was it that they're they're looking at being owed the rumors out there like 50 mil? (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll jump into the financials on Monday. I do want to, I'm taking the weekend to really sit down and go through these things because there's a lot of information in there and most of it's not good. Well, you know, that's that's a Harry and Lloyd moment. Uh, that's 50 mil. You might want to hold on to that one. Those are just as good as money. Those are IOUs. But I think, you know, overall, just looking at the event itself, I, I wonder if, if the spectacle is beginning to wear. You know, we've seen these things a few times here. They, they are over-the-top productions. And, you know, there was always so much more into it is, okay, how is the audience going to react to this? You know, what does the overall just feel, that vibe in that arena? It's just starting to lose that luster. And we're kind of just getting into that rinse and repeat mode with these shows. And I, like you said, you know, I, I had it on. Uh, I was going through some work and things like that, but it, it was a it was a a fair enough show. I put it up there as like it's starting to fall into a place where like a run of the mill, um, little north of that mediocre border marquee events. Uh, nothing overwhelming. They don't really do a whole lot of business at these shows. Obviously, on this one, we saw the first title changes, uh, but that that seems like it was something that. Were any of us really surprised to see, you know, the Fiend grab the Universal Championship? It was just a kind of a matter of when were they going to pull the trigger on this thing? And it, it kind of lost its edge here because you really felt that moment should have been at Hell in the Cell. Yeah, I could see that. Um, it, it seems like they're going to do a rematch again at TLC. Um, that At least that's what's being advertised locally for TLC. I'm not sure that I need a trilogy of The Fiend versus Seth Rollins. I'm pretty burned out on it. We're going to talk about Seth Rollins when we get to the end of this show because everybody hates Seth Rollins right now, including Seth Rollins, evidently, after listening to that podcast the other day. Uh, Let's start things off with the Universal Championship. Or no, the WWE Championship. I'm so used to Brock being the Universal Champion that I forget that he's the WWE Champion. Brock Lesnar taps out Kane Velasquez in two minutes. Match actually went about all of about 88 seconds before Rey Mysterio jumps in the ring and goes to town on Brock Lesnar with a chair. Now Brock Lesnar evidently is going back to Monday Night Raw to go hunting for Rey Mysterio. Rick, I am hearing a report that Cain Velasquez actually has a knee injury that he is going to have to have surgery on. He's going to be out for a little while after, you know, 88 seconds in the ring with Brock Lesnar. Actually, chances are he was hurt going into this thing. How did Cain look? How did the presentation of Brock and Cain come off? And do you have any desire to see this again? Because now with Cain Velasquez tapping out to Brock Lesnar in two minutes, is there really any point to doing this again? Well, I think, you know, one, and this is where I want to really give WWE credit, something that they've really hit the mark on on this show. I mean, they were opening up with this thing, obviously, you know, first, first in the ring, first out of the arena, Brock. Hey, and with good reason for him, you know, hey, can you imagine the beast being stranded over there? You want to talk about an, an international incident. Yeah, when when they say there were like 20 talents that got out of Saudi Arabia right away, this is two of them right here. Brock Lesnar, King Velasquez, I bet you they were on a plane out of Saudi before this show was over. Well, I'm going to say they might have been out of here before the next match was over. Uh, but these two come out and this place is lit. And they're notorious. You know, these crowds show up a little late. They got here early. I think they were advertising, hey, you're going to get one of these big marquee matches coming out. You want to get in the arena, fill this thing up. Excitement. They came out of the gate on fire here. The crowd was loving it. Uh, in the live, the few live discussions I was involved with this time, you know, people were into this thing. It was a great presentation. WWE themselves 
they did a great job through the pre-show. We talk about doing business on these kickoff shows and in the commentary, really hyping you here. They really hammered home that this is a rematch. Now, this is nine years in the making and what that meant to Brock to lose that. And then they told the story of, okay, this is a different atmosphere. This is a, a both of these individuals have traveled different paths in, since their last meeting. Uh, this is Brock's yard. This is professional wrestling. It is much different. So I think they did a good job in setting up where we can look forward to a rubber match between these two. And I suspect when we get there, that's how they're going to build that. Uh, the injury you're talking about, uh, it's it's been noted for a while now that, that Kane needs a, needed surgery. He was going to get through this match, and then he was going to be taking some time off. Uh, it looks like he has signed an extended contract to work multiple dates with WWE, and I, I think that's that's really exciting in itself. Uh, in their promotion and hyping this match, they did a great job of talking about uh, how Kane has made the transition from MMA to WWE, how he is all invested. They brought up a, a great performance down here at AAA, which you know I thought was was really out there that wow, Booker T would name? make mention. Yes, Booker T went right to it. Wow, uh, he had mentioned it, and you know what kind of popped me? I kind of smiled a little bit because who was he tagging with in that match? It was one Cody from AEW. I, I know that's a little stretch to connect those dots, but you know, inside the bubble for us, it's a it's a little funny. Uh, but they did a good job there. And I think this thing went so short, obviously. I mean, I'd love to see the average match time for Brock over there or even his involvement time. I think the last time it was just like a, a, a fumbled cash in. You know, he tripped on the rope going through, dropped the case. It gave Seth enough time to get the hell out of Dodge. He's making uh, and like that's what we got at him. He's making like six million dollars a minute. Over in Saudi Arabia. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, two minutes worth of work and reports are he walked out of there with 12 million bucks. Yeah. So it's, it, it was what it was. It was a, it was a great spectacle to kick off this show. And they did set up where we can do business going forward. I don't necessarily maybe agree with the tap. I would have maybe liked to see a little more uh, underhanded tactics. Maybe we get a no contest or something here. Uh, but still, they, they just would have hit their end game. And that's Brock gets his payday. King gets his payday, and both of them get the hell out of Saudi. Talking to the storyline here, now we know that Brock seems to want to go Ray hunting. Uh, Ray in this situation, he's swinging that chair like a madman. I see the comparison. He's like Hulk from uh, the Marvel Universe. I mean, he's just <laughs> Ray mad, Ray smash. He's completely no selling his injury. Five foot five, Incredible Hulk. Well, I, you know, I was talking. I was talking with my my hot tag marketing partner Neil Pearson at, last night about this thing, and. It, he was kind of like, you know, like, it's one of those moments where you kind of just lower your head. Like, what the hell are they doing? Like, like the way he put it was Brock Lesnar shouldn't even fear Rey Mysterio swinging a chainsaw, let alone a steel chair. Uh, but that's what we got there. But one thing that, that I really dislike here is is how they're going to go forward with this, that Brock is hunting Ray. I mean, where is the fun in that thing? I mean, give us a twist here. Man, I want Ray to kind of evolve into a Conan like Godfather. You know, you know, the Mexican mafia godfather or hell, just bring Conan in and have those two bring together a little army and start whacking SOBs until they get to the beast. Man, I'm talking, hey, you get Paul Heyman cornered alone and you have you have two guys just beat the shit out of just lynch him, take him out. Uh, go light one of the fire. Go light a barn at the ranch on fire, destroying. A, I mean, really turn the tables here on Brock. You do some really, and Conan would be the master of this. I mean, I'm talking, like, you know, what we've seen him do in MLW, in Impact Wrestling. Ray could pull that off himself. And now I'm not really sure 
who they could get to play those roles. If they would have had the foresight, I would have thrown every bit of money I could at LAX to bring them in here. I was thinking if we have to use talents that are on hand, maybe this is a good opportunity to reinvent the colognes. And you got the, the Puerto Ricans helping, you know, the, the Mexicans here. You got that, that Hispanic vibe. I don't really know the cultures, but they have to reach out to Adam Rivera to see if that would could even exist or if they're against each other. I don't know that. Uh, but I would love to see this mob mentality, this, this mafia mentality going after Brock Lesnar. I'm not really a big fan of the big bad wolf on the hunt here. Uh, one thing I am looking forward to is the match. Which sounds absolutely ridiculous because when you think about Rey Mysterio versus Brock Lesnar, you have to assume that this match is going to be shorter than Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar, right? Because it's Rey Mysterio. But then when you think about it a little bit further, all of Brock's really good matches in this run have been against little guys like Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, you know, I I have a feeling this will be one of Brock Lesnar's best matches inside of this current incarnation of the beast, even though on paper, it just looks like this absolutely ridiculous matchup. Well, I, I'm going to look at this from two points here. Uh, first, let's look at it from the reality side of this. Yeah. Brock seems to work really well with these, with these smaller athletic types when they're allowed to be given time to go out there. And I know this is going to infuriate some people. If Ray gets, you know, 10 minutes with Brock and Kofi got five seconds, but if we're looking at Stu reality's eyes. Kofi was just a victim of circumstance because Brock had to remain strong when Kane attacked him so that that showed the true fear. And Kofi was just the wrong guy in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Yeah. Had they not had this Kane thing lined up and they just wanted to say, hey, let's go out there and have a great main event, it probably would have been the match that we're talking about that defines Brock Lesnar's return if they would have let those two go work. That was just circumstance. Now, with with Ray, just let's go through you know the K side of this, the KFAB side of this. Ray's a true vet. And I'm not saying Kofi is. He's 11 years in WWE. He's seen it all. But Ray's got decades. And Ray's been, as you know, you were kind of mocking last week. And this kind of, you know, lends towards us. They were kind of, you know, giving us uh, the foresight there is the ultimate underdog. And that's what he has been. I mean, he's taken guys like Steiner, like Kevin Nash, the big show. We've got decades of this. And he is a true vet. And he's learned how to survive. Uh, you know, if it's inside the ring, outside the ring. And he's going to play it much smarter than Kofi did, you know, trying to be that fighting champ. I'm going to step up to this challenge. Ray's going to pull everything he can, every trick out of the bag, just to survive this thing and try to take down the beast. I think this could be a really, really good match. I'm looking forward to it. Not exactly sure when it happens, you know, if this will be a TLC kind of thing. Or if they're going to try to blow this off at like Survivor Series, because as it stands right now, I have no desire to see the mashup that they have laid out as it stands. Uh, let's talk about Tag Team Turmoil. That match goes 32 minutes. Rick, I, I heard, I, I believe it was you, that you actually, you know, like left this match, went and got a sandwich, came back home, and the match was still going. The matchup ends up going to the club 32 minutes worth of action in this matchup. What did you think of this thing? Well, you're exactly right. This thing started and, you know, these best in the world kind of gimmicks that they've got going on here. And, you know, and this is nothing against the talents here. I respect all of these teams. I love to see, you know, great things out of them. But the tag divisions have been so defined down. I'm looking at this card here. And, you know, it's a big marquee event. You know, I want to get, uh, you know, me, I'm the ultimate foodie. I want something good to enjoy while I'm settling into these big matches. I'm looking at, okay, this thing's going to be so somewhat extended. I can run up the street. 
get me a big old, get me a pizza, get me a sub, and I'll settle in for the rest of the show. I was gone 25 minutes. I left right when this match started. 25 minutes, I come back. I couldn't believe this thing was still going here. Uh, so I can't really speak to, to much, of the, much of the action. But I guess overall, you know, the, the big question is, is how do we feel, uh, you know, about the uh, the OC, the, the the Good Brothers winning this thing? Jargo, you got any thought? I know you didn't see it, but it just... Well, I mean, I find it interesting. The impression you got from the outcome. I find it interesting that they put the club over in this thing, Anderson and Gallows. But even more so, I find it interesting that they pinned the Viking Raiders, War Machine, the artist formerly known as War Machine, whatever you want to call them, Hanson and Rowe. They pinned them to actually win this matchup. So now I have to assume that we're going to see the Good Brothers versus the artist formerly known as War Machine for the Raw Tag Team titles going forward, right? I mean, that just seems logical. Uh, absolutely. And, and then I also wonder, you know, it's, and that is, you know, that's just really, uh, it, it's so WWE. Instead of setting something else up here, let's just, you know, hot shot a number one contender by putting down your champs. And even in this, you know, um, the War Raiders came out, you know, they had the advantage. I mean, so this really made them look bad. It wasn't like you were starting fresh with each other. I mean, you know, the OC was in there for a little bit longer. So even in that, you, you really played down your champions here. who You've done a tremendous job building back up after such a slow start out of the gate where we'd almost given up hope on them. Uh, but, yeah, so that's the program we're looking at going forward. Do you think there's even more to – do you think they have any grander plans here for the OC, now that you got, you know, the United States Championship, now your tag team has a, a bit of a is a bit decorated. Is this is this going to elevate them as a trio, or is this something that it's just going to be like a flash in the pan? Okay, we need to do something short term with these guys, and then we're going to uh, once again, as we regularly see with this group, we're going to put them back on the back burner here within six weeks. Well, I mean, as things stand right now. Uh, AJ Styles is still the United States champion. If the OC can capture the Raw Tag Team Championships, I mean, they basically hold all the gold on Raw. You know, so I mean, I can absolutely see them doing something with that. I hate to see the Viking Raiders already drop those championships, though. I mean, they just got them. I think that Anderson and Gallows versus Hanson and Rowe could be a fantastic match. The only problem is it's going to happen on WWE TV, which means it's going to go about eight minutes, and I, I just don't have a whole lot of faith in it. Well, and that's you know that goes you know back to what we regularly have a conversation about here is, man, I mean this could these could either one you know and you really you look at the talents on either brand here, red or blue, you could have some premier tag team divisions. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about you know, Junior Tag League a little bit later on in the show. We're going to talk about World Tag League getting ready to drop uh, over there in Japan. This could absolutely be the finals of World Tag League. See, War Machine versus the Good Brothers. That I mean, that actually seems like a match that probably happened in World Tag League. But instead, you know, it'll be like on the pre-show for TLC. Right, and, and we're not going to get... You're going to get maybe, if we're lucky, eight minutes of television dedicated each week. Yeah, you know, and a lot of that will be a little, you know, a second, a second tier story to whatever AJ has going on. Yep. So it's not the talents; it's the situation, it's the creative, and it's the, you know, the the lack of spotlight that's put on it. Mansoor took on Cesaro, wins the match in about 13 minutes. Rick, I heard that Mansoor looked really, really good in this match, to which my response was, 
you're in there with Cesaro for 13 minutes, chances are you're going to look really, really good in that match. What did you think of Mansoor? Uh, he did look good. He looked great. And my, my, I'm right along with you. That was my take on it. You put Cesaro in there with anybody, and you especially go let him go north of 10 minutes, you're going to have an outstanding match. I mean, go back and look what he did over at NXT UK. Yeah. Uh, you know, anytime you let him go out there and, and let anybody shine, you're going to get something like that. And it speaks to, you know, what a tremendous talent he is. And, it, you know, a lot of people, well, I wish, you know, he, they would do more with him. You know, but that's okay. Let's appreciate what he, what he is doing for other talents as well. Uh, instead of, you know, just continuing to complain and gripe. Uh, Cesaro is, you know, he's one of the best of, of his generation at getting there and getting it done. And he'll be one of those individuals, you know, hopefully is not forgotten. 10 years from now that we're talking about, man, this guy went out there and made everybody that he worked with look like a million bucks. Braun Strowman gets counted out against Tyson Fury. Match goes about eight minutes. Rick, I saw Tyson Fury's entrance, and it seemed like that was probably the most interesting part of the matchup. What did you think of Strowman getting counted out against Tyson Fury? Because it sounds like this is a one-off. Uh, you know, really wasn't, wasn't a big big fan of the finish and I know the match itself's getting a little scrutiny, but I enjoy it, you know, for what it was. I thought Tyson carried himself. Well, I thought they put together some good spots here. My biggest concern here is you have a novelty match like this. And yeah, you actually, you want that, that, that big monster in there with fury, with fury so that you can demonstrate, you know, the size and you've got the, the two gimmicks with, you know, the knockout blows and all that here. And I almost, I almost would have preferred that they brought Big Show back for this spot because now I feel that Braun has officially stepped into that Big Show role. I know we've always made that comparison, and, and yeah. it's across so many different podcast platforms, so many different shows, so many different talking heads talk about this thing. And it was, was he kind of teetering on that? I think this pushed him over here. I, I know they tried to save a little grace here that it was the count out. He still got knocked. Knock the fuck out. Yeah. It, it, all it really does is hurt Braun going forward, you know, and th that's really my issue with it. AJ Styles retains the U.S. title over Humberto Carrillo. Uh, Huckleberry, I'm, I'm guessing they had a battle royal. Was that on the pre-show that Humberto won? Yeah, it was on the kickoff. They had the battle royal on the kickoff. So we did this again. So now this is AJ Styles goes up on this kid two to nothing. We've seen Humberto versus AJ twice. We've seen him versus Seth Rollins. Where do you evaluate Humberto at this point? Well, I'm really worried with the story there. Not really worried. I, I don't even know if I'm curious. You know, it's it's there. I guess it's a bit intriguing. He hasn't had a win yet, really. I, I, you know, since they've really started getting behind him here. Now, is that really what they're are they going for here? Are we looking for like a one, two, three kid kind of rise where at some point he's going to shock the world with some kind of major win, a uh, huge upset? I, I want to know more about him besides his athleticism right now. Why should I really care? Why am I into this? You know, unless I was a fan of the Power Rangers, what is my connection to, to this kid? Natalia taps out Lacey Evans in seven minutes. Uh, everybody lost their damn minds. That, oh, my God, they had a women's match in Saudi Arabia. This is progress. It, no, it's not. Saudi Arabia is the same damn place today that it was two days ago. Get the hell over yourselves. Uh, but one thing I did find of interest about this match is it sounded like their movesets and everything were kind of dumbed down, almost like they were young lions. Did you notice that? 
Well, they didn't want too much flash, and, and you didn't see so much of the persona. I mean, it, they obviously that you come out, you know, they're not going to be able to wear their their usual ring gear or use their mannerisms that really, you know, illustrate you know both of their very curvy figures. Uh, I mean, it, they were actually dressed like they were at a little sleepover. You know, they they had the, the leotards on, the long t-shirts, the hair pulled back. Uh, the, yeah. The move set was very dulled down, not really anything high impact. Uh, but but I guess, you know, you, you do got to take some small steps forward. I guess even in the, the, the sporting world, uh, I know UFC had a women's fight on their card a couple months ago. So this is the first pro wrestling runaround on this thing. Uh, I am interested. I know we're going to talk a lot more about this Monday in the locker room over on the Hami Media Group uh, about I guess the more exciting part of the Saudi trip, which was the detainment or issues or, or whatever the conflict was there between WWE and the general sports authority. Uh, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of rumor coming out of here that, uh, that maybe this match had something to do with the tensions between the two sides as the celebration afterwards might have crossed a line with, you know, Saudi standards, uh, especially, you know, you have Natalia, you know, interacting with the audience in a public display of affection yeah. uh, as, you know, as she embraced it and gave someone a kiss on, on the forehead there. Yep. I heard a lot of speculation that that is the case, that that was what kind of led to the blow up between Vince and the general sports authority have not had that sourced, have not had that confirmed, but it does all seem completely logical to me. Uh, team Hogan tops team flair match goes 20 minutes. Uh, Rick, anything to talk about here? I mean, it's back and forth. You got big names. You're trying to get people to, you know, believe that this is, you know, the, the big deciding factor between the rivalry between Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. I mean, it was what it was. You got some big spots. You got big names. Nothing really to write home about. I don't see too much coming out of this thing. I would say, you know, Randy eats the pin just, you know, maybe to, to could because he can't. This isn't going to affect him in any way. It may, maybe he does it because this thing isn't going anywhere. Right. You give Randy Orton enough money, he'll eat a pin for absolutely anybody. He would have gotten pinned by Ric Flair in that match if you would have gave him enough money. Then we have the big story coming out of the Saudi Arabia show other than the travel. The Fiend captures the Universal Championship from crybaby Seth Rollins. Uh, Rick, there is so much to this story whether you want to look inside of the kayfabe world with the Universal Championship switching over to SmackDown, Brock Lesnar quitting SmackDown, so now it looks like the WWE Championship is going back over to Raw. We had a SmackDown Superstar Challenge for the NXT Championship last night. I'm so happy that we had this draft and the rosters were really, really split. Uh, I was watching the Chicago feed last night, and they ran an ad for Survivor Series, and you know what they said on that ad? The one time a year when you will see Raw and SmackDown face off. I have literally seen that shit for 10 fucking months. Tell me it's the one time a year this shit's gonna happen. Uh, Rick, I don't know where they go with The Fiend going forward here. More specifically, I don't know where they go with Seth Rollins going forward. Did you have a chance to listen to that awful Corey Graves podcast where he had Seth Rollins on as his first guest? Uh, I'm going to need you to fill me in on this one because I heard so many bad reviews, just negative takes directed towards this show that I, I didn't even bother. I was like, didn't even get, didn't even, I was, I had it on my playlist ready to go. Uh, and as soon as it came up in order, you know, I haven't seen one positive. I haven't even seen the professor come to try to defend this thing. So I figured, you know, it's got to be bad. 
So I skipped over. Seth Rollins during this interview, and I'm sure that everybody has seen the quotes floating around there online. He comes across as the most delusional, out of touch scumbag on the face of the freaking planet. Like he genuinely does not understand why people don't like him. Like everybody was behind me, you know, and then I went and I beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania and then everybody turned on me. No, no, that's not what happened. You kept throwing matches on top of the hay pile and eventually it freaking caught fire between the three month feud with Baron fuckface Corbin. And then you go after Will Ospreay and then you start shit talking Kenny Omega. You're the awful angle that they did with Becky Lynch and and Seth Rollins opposite of Constable Fuckface and Lacey Evans. Like since WrestleMania, Seth, you haven't done a fucking thing that anybody wants to cheer. Like it's not that we turned on you, it's that you haven't given anybody any reason to cheer you. And then like all the way up to Hell in a Cell and he's just like, I don't understand what people's problem with it was. Watch the fucking match. You'll figure out real goddamn quick what the fucking problem was. It was shit. Well, you know, I, I'm hoping through that interview, what we're getting here is Seth evolving that persona, evolving that character, and it, this is a work here. But let's talk to the actual logistics of this thing. Everyone was rooting for me into WrestleMania. Correction, Seth. Correction, Seth. They would have been rooting for anyone in that position. It was not about. Seth Rollins challenging for the championship and eventually becoming the championship. It was about anybody, anybody taking the belt away from Brock Lesnar as the majority felt he was an undeserving champion and they wanted the title back. They wanted a champion that was going to be present each and every week. I mean, you would have gotten the same reaction from a, a hated Roman Reigns. You could have gotten that seat. You could have brought back Hulk Hogan and you would have gotten that reaction at that time because it was simply about taking it away from Brock. It could have been anybody, insert any player, any cookie cutter off of the assembly line, piece of crap that they got, Seth. You just happen to be it. And then afterwards, they turn around, they do you absolutely zero favors creatively. You, you have strung together some of the worst programs since taking the title at WrestleMania. And then outside of that, in the, in the realm of reality, you have become an absolute jackass on social media. You should have stuck to your guns when you shut down your platforms. You should have just let it go, but yet you keep coming back, as you had mentioned, Jargo. You got that. You got everything with Ospreys going at. He gets into it with Kenny Omega. He gets into it with Chris Jericho. He's got an issue with good old Jr. Give me a freaking break! It's not yeah. an us problem, Seth. It's a you problem. And God, I hope that this is an absolute work, and it's a total work where it's not. They're just taking your personality and turning it up to ten. Because even at a five, you're a major douchebag. This is all John Cena's fault. It's all John Cena's fault. I got to thinking about this because I listened to the fucking interview twice because it was just like I, I had to have heard that wrong. I have to listen to this again. And the second time I caught it, he brings up Roman Reigns 
and he brings up the reaction to Roman Reigns, and he brings up the reaction to John Cena, and then he says the magic phrase. As long as you're getting a reaction, no, no, that's not fucking true. They beat this into our goddamn heads with John Cena. They beat it into our fucking heads with Roman Reigns, and now they're going to do it with Seth Rollins. As long as he's getting a reaction, it's a good thing. No, it's not. It's not a good thing when you have half of the audience booing you and half of the audience cheering you and they're trying to bill you as the biggest baby face in the company. That's not a good thing. Well, you know, I, I'm going to throw a little bit of a counterpoint in here. At you. I don't think it's an absolute terrible thing because, yeah, you do want some. You obviously want more of a positive reaction. Uh, but, you know, let's well, let's, well we're going to talk numbers Monday in the locker room over on the Hameen Media Group platform. Uh, I'll, I'll dive into this one here, and I want to look at some merch because you know when we when we're talking about a reaction for John Cena for Roman Reigns, they were still up there moving their merch. Granted, their the shop WWE.com was flooded with with their options, but you know people were still buying it there, and they're buying the different products and all that. I don't think Seth's anywhere near that top. No, there's no way he is. He's not in demand for public appearances. You don't see, you know, with the with the advertisers, you're not seeing him on many commercials here. Just absolutely. He just whatever it is there, it is not clicking. And he is not helping. He's not helping his matters, you know, whatsoever, at least with Cena is he knew how to play the game. He, He had the perfect response every time you come at him. Uh, even Roman, you know, maybe he didn't have the, the, the greatest of responses or he didn't know how to, you know, that game of ping pong where you go back and forth. But he knew to keep his mouth shut and just go out there and do his job. And, you know, people would come his way, you know, and Seth is really see. It almost seems like Seth is like embodying the, the current mindset of WWE management where it's you know, we're just going to keep coming at you, coming at you and blatantly forcing something on you. You know, I saw a promo with Dalton Castle the other day, and it I think it was on one of the latest episodes of ROH TV, maybe people have seen this, where they were running down like a top five list of the greatest ROH champions in history. And Dalton Castle interrupts this promo and loses his goddamn mind because he's like, this is the best Ring of Honor champions? I went out there and broke my back. For this company. I carried this company on my back. Then I won the title and defended it every night for six months with a broken fucking back. And you're going to sit there and tell me this is the top five list of ROH champions. Now, the difference is that's Dalton Castle's character talking. Seth Rollins really feels that fucking way. You should respect me more because I go out there and I work hard. Well, I'm fucking happy for you. So does the guy at Burger King that always fucks up my goddamn order. You know, uh, you know who Seth really reminds me of, and it's a guy, another guy who seemingly might hate Seth. It's Bret Hart. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's probably why they hate each other so much, because they're basically the same person. So then they have the travel issues from Saudi Arabia getting back yesterday. Hopefully we'll get a lot more information as that becomes available over the next couple days. But then yesterday afternoon, Huckleberry, 
we started hearing that NXT talent was being flown into SmackDown. And of course, the other thing that happened at Crown Jewel that we haven't talked about was they added NXT to Survivor Series. So it seemed like a, a logical place to start. We're going to fly in NXT, all the SmackDown talent stuck in Saudi Arabia. NXT comes in, takes over the show. That's basically the show that we got last night. And the show we got last night was freaking awesome. I absolutely loved the hell out of that show. And then the show got over. And I stopped and I started thinking about what they did on that show. Rick, they played a lot of cards last night on that show to make it go off. Well, I think, you know, I think they overforced their hand here. Um, we've got quite a few weeks here of build towards towards Survivor Series. And one of the big statements that they made last night in that closing, it sounds like it's going to be the red and blue versus NXT. This is what we wanted last year. And I, and I think you're going to get that weird dynamic. Can the red and blue coexist, which is going to probably cause that rift. Uh, if they do indeed side up with each other, or you might see some combinations of the, the, the three different versus each other and some like triple threat scenarios and triangle programs. Uh, but to speak to the program itself, you know, obviously WWE, it, it was an emergency. Their back was against the wall. They had to pull something out of their rear end to, to not only just pull in viewers, but just to, you know, retain uh, kudos to them, though. We are seeing some early numbers. It looks like they did improve on 2.6 and 2.4, I believe. That, yeah, that they had from the last time they were on the the parent company, the, the you know the real Fox network here. And I think going in, not giving away a whole lot, that was the intrigue that you were you were holding. Uh, so you were bringing in some, you know, the, the insiders, us in the bubble. What, how are they going to pull this off? I think that was the intrigue. And a lot of people, you saw the rumor of NXT. How are they going to do this? What are they going to put together? So that worked in that sense. And for us inside the bubble, very solid show. Great show. As you said, you were excited about it. I was excited watching. It felt like the two hours flew by. I couldn't believe that it was already 10 o'clock. It felt like I just settled in. You know, and we're seeing all these different talents. You know, uh, you know, making their appearances here, making their impact felt. But to me, I, I think if, if they did too much there, you could have brought in all those talents. Why still furthering some of the agendas you have on the blue brand? I think it just became too much about NXT dominance and giving away so much out of the gate here. Are you going to overexpose the NXT talent? Now, sitting through this as the casuals, are you going to retain that viewership and my biggest fear i mean yeah it looks great when you got adam cole out there against daniel bryan they match up what about next week when roman comes back when braun comes back when bray comes back hell when cesaro comes back i mean you had uh Ciampa out there for you know standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with the miz and the miz looked like a freaking giant how lucky are they that a bunch of that talent refuses to go to saudi arabia how lucky are they that Daniel Bryan was there? How lucky are they that Sami Zayn was there? Because, I mean, they were vital parts of that show last night. Sami Zayn continues to be an absolute highlight for me every time I watch a show that he is on. He is just absolutely freaking hilarious with his delivery. I love the entire exchange between Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, and Sami Zayn. I, I was laughing so freaking hard watching that. Well, you know, that was that was a, an exchange, a segment on the show there. I love the exchange. 
Sammy carries that. You didn't have to really get a whole lot out of out of Riddle or Lee, but you know, you know the bro thing. You know, you know those are two big dogs in NXT, and Sammy told you all of that. He handled all of that, and you're exactly right. I mean. That saved their ass that you got some people that just don't want to go over there. Yeah. What, what, what would they have done if Daniel Bryan was over in Saudi Arabia already? If he was like stuck over in Saudi Arabia, he went over there for the blood money. Then who are you going to put Adam Cole against? Sami Zayn? Well, well, and I think, uh, you know, what you really do here is going forward, if it's Saudi or it's anywhere, I mean, it, it could have been, you know, we're getting all these rumors of different, you know, reports of there might have been issues. It could have been something as simple as, Mechanical errors. You could yeah, have been Atlas in Australia. Air, Atlas Air came out and issued a statement saying that it was a mechanical error with their plane. Of course, you know, if you choose to believe yeah. that, I also got a bridge I can sell you. But, you know, that they did come out and accept responsibility for this. Yeah, I mean, just like uh, that reporter just happened to end up as fertilizer. You yeah. know, those, those things just sort of happen. You know, it, it's okay. But, you know, what if you would have been in Australia and you had something like that? You know, what if you would have just been down to Brazil? You're in China and you get into some kind of flight issues. Hopefully they know now you better leave a dozen or so talents back. Yeah. Make sure that you at least got enough to fill a show. Absolutely. I mean, at least get you through two hours of it. And it, I guess I guess what's your backup plan is if all you know, if all of the guys would have been over there is you just would have had to put along like an evolution. But you also run into some issues where you have like Bailey, who is now a recently turned heel, and she gets attacked by Shayna Baszler, who is clearly a heel. Like with a little bit of foresight, a lot of this could have been done better because now I'm I have to believe that we're gonna get Shayna Baszler versus Bailey at Survivor Series, right? Okay, cool. I'm down with that. Oh wait, Shayna Baszler is a captain in the war games match the night before, you know? So like, as I'm looking at this now, NXT basically has to sell two shows. Well, and that's one of the, you know, why I don't really like these brands versus brands and okay. Just because it's, it's our team here and it doesn't necessarily work in, in professional wrestling with me, especially now that NXT has to sell two shows. So now Baszler's going to be on Wednesdays battling it out with, with uh, Ripley's team. But then on what? On Mondays and Fridays? Oh, that's okay because we both hate these, the red and the blue. So our, our teams can interact with one another to go after them. And those were a couple of the big issues at the end of the night. Like, I don't feel like there's any logical reason to where you have Shayna Baszler in the ring and Rhea Ripley is also in the ring celebrating alongside of Adam Cole, who just retained the NXT championship in the ring alongside of Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, and thank God, Tommaso Ciampa all the way on the other side of the ring with his eyeballs, not coming off of Goldie once. I mean, but it's just like, why would those guys want to come out and celebrate with Adam Cole? Just because we're all team NXT. Get the fuck out of here. It's pro wrestling. Absolutely. You know, it, and that's it's almost like a borderline. They were just a, a couple hugs away from an evolution moment. Yeah, it, it was and real close. And you know, as you put out there, you know, it, it's going to be it's one of the worries we're going to have here is how they're going to handle booking these two shows. You know, is this thing ultimately because it's it's on a smaller scale, it's got the smaller audience. Is this really going to kill takeover? Are we going to be as invested because now we know the next night? 
I mean, first of all, when you go first anyway, there's going to be less interest because you're looking towards that big event the next night, which is going to be your essentially your main event. So that right out of the gate, you're taking away from TakeOver. Now I got to worry about how are they going to interact as on Mondays and Fridays, you know, when they do show up. And it hell, we don't even know who's going to be showing up from, you know, from Raw or SmackDown on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, the other thing this could do is just throw a giant wrench into the creative for everything going forward to Survivor Series. Like as good as last night's show was, now they have to follow it up and they have to follow it up for seven hours of television for the next three weeks or something. So you got like 25 hours of TV that you have to fill between now and the event. You can't do that for 25 hours. You know, it, it, I'm, I'm afraid that everything now is going to feel flat coming out of how good SmackDown was. Well, it will be in it. You know, we were talking about this last night. You know, if, if I'm really putting together a game plan here, you, you know, you're wondering like, OK, so are we going to keep getting invasions? Are you keep showing up? You know, if I'm NXT, I stay the hell away from Raw. You know, I don't want to piss them off. I, I'll just I'll, I'll I'll kind of, you know, swing the axe away at SmackDown a little bit before I turn my attention over there because, you know, they're already pitching. You got the promo running around here uh, for the first time. They're in direct competition because they're on different networks. You know, completely different, you know, companies here. So if you're raw, I mean, why the hell would you want to back up SmackDown? You know, the more embarrassing that they look, you know, the more pathetic they look, that's better for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, real quick before we move on here, how good was Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan? Like that might be the best WWE match that we've seen in what, four, five years? Like that was an absolutely fantastic athletic match that you could have put on NXT TV. You could have put it on AEW. You could have put it on New Japan. It would have fit in anywhere. Those two guys were absolutely fantastic working with one another. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it didn't seem like they that they did too much, uh, which is what you know you regularly get a knock with the Cole or those big NXT matches. That, you know, they're just giving away so much. Uh, but again, we were talking during during the show. Get into the match, get into the match, get into the match. Boom, out of nowhere. You don't need to transition me. Commercial break. Yep. Just absolutely freaking. And they did it time after time. It just wasn't once, twice. It did it three or four times in this match. Uh, The other big takeaway from this thing is, you know, one of those worries is how is the general audience uh, just, you know, the casual viewer going to accept? How did they perceive these NXT talents? One of the saving graces here, you and I both noticed it. I'm sure so many others did. That live audience, they took to the baby, so at least Cole got a reaction. They even hit and the I- boom. That made me happy. Uh, they yes. had absolutely no idea who Keith Lee was. That was clear. Uh, it seemed about 50-50 for Matt Riddle. Like There was a little bit of a bro chant, but not nearly as much as I think he was probably hoping for. Um, I thought Baszler looked fantastic coming out there and taking out Sasha Banks, take out Bailey, take out Nikki Cross. I, I thought they kept her looking real strong. At first, I thought it, it must have been all three of them. Like they were bringing all three of the horsewomen in, but no, it was just Baszler taking out everybody. Yeah, ba- Baszler looked great. Uh, I think, you know, as we're talking about, you know, how familiar the live audience was, and, you know, and that's really going to be a telling tale of, you know, the audience at home. Uh, they knew they knew Adam Cole, obviously, here. They knew Baszler. Um, Riddle, you said 50-50. I agree there. Keith Lee, hardly anything. 
uh, Keegan and Ripley, hardly anything from I mean, them. What a weird pairing that was, too. Like we, we, we just saw Tegan Knox teaming with Dakota Kai. I don't think I've ever seen any kind of an interaction between Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley. Like that, that felt almost Kabuki warrior ish where it was just like, wait, well, what? I mean, they are going to, are they going to be together in the war games, right? They're going to be on the same team. Well, we're going to talk about NXT uh, okay. actually right now. Um, well, I, I was going to say, you know, going back to uh, the reactions there, it, it was, it was a mixed bag of what we were going to get, you know, and, and that's going to be very telling if they can retain. And we know that they, they moved the number a little bit, but was, was that more intrigue from those inside the bubble? I mean, what was that? The casual? Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about NXT uh, world series. Number one, bitch slaps both NXT and AEW this week. NXT draws 580,000 viewers, uh, AEW 759,000 viewers world series game seven, 21.2 million viewers. I mean, as if we didn't see that one coming. So I don't even, I'm not even writing anything into this. Um, but I thought both shows were really, really good this week. NXT starts off with Poppy. Uh, Rick, have you ever heard of Poppy before? And what did you think of the Poppy performance? Uh, I, I do like Poppy. Poppy's interesting. Uh, uh, it's, hey, you know, that's, that's what we need, right? I, I thought that might have been the best open to a wrestling show ever, uh, especially with it just with leading into EO coming out i thought it was absolutely fantastic io shirai defeats candace LeRae. um another chapter in their rivalry i don't think this match was as good as their takeover match but i don't think it was supposed to be as good as the takeover match either uh this almost felt more like backstory for what we would see a little bit later on with the kabuki warriors defeating team kick in 24 minutes then we get the announcement of the women's war games when everything just absolutely breaks down a couple things coming out of that war games announcement number one william regal is absolutely fantastic in his role as the general manager of NXT. He just absolutely knocks it out of the park every freaking time. I'm so disappointed William Regal did not show up on SmackDown last night. Or this week, do we get to see William Regal just absolutely pissed about what went down on SmackDown last night? I think that could be a fun dynamic too. As well, we... We saw this entire like breakdown of all these women, right? And people are just speculating who are going to be on these teams. The only thing that I have heard established thus far is Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler are team captains. I haven't heard anything else about who is going to be on these teams. Everything I've heard is just speculation at this point. Well, you know, what really jumped out to me is everyone's kind of saying, okay, this is how these are going to line up. And obviously, you know, you kind of look at that, that heel baby dynamic. Uh, but when this announcement was made, there was nine individuals. Yeah. So, I mean, someone's going to have to be the odd person out here. So anything that any what's official right now well, is I don't the captain. I don't even know if it's going to be four on four or if it's going to be five on five. Well, yeah, you're right there. I mean, we don't know if we're going to get maybe another surprise entrance into this thing. Because right before the Kabuki Warriors, uh, we did see 12 seconds worth of a Mia Yim vignette. Yeah, I clocked it. 12 seconds. And it was probably my favorite 12 seconds on the entire show because in 12 seconds, I knew who Mia Yim was. She's the rose that grew from concrete. That totally makes sense to me. It's completely logical. Rick, this is what we need more of on both NXT and AEW. Not one wasted second. These 12 seconds with Mia Yim absolutely counted. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic job, and this is what we need. This is what we need, especially on this platform of USA, is to intro- to reintroduce these characters to the bigger audience. And it was just not you know introducing them to the bigger audience for that first time, but you reintroduce them to your core audience. You, you get people reinvested and you know emotionally charged for the talents that you got. Also on the show, we got to see Shane Thorne defeat Bronson Reed. Shane Thorne really coming into his own as a singles act down there in NXT. Like him a lot. Cameron Grimes defeats the big strong boy, Tyler Bate. And Rick, this might have been my favorite segment throughout the entire week of television, right? You get Cameron Grimes beating Tyler Bate. Then Killian Dane comes out, whips Tyler Bate's ass, and tells Tyler Bate to tell his friend Pete Dunn that Killian Dane is not done with him. Like we advanced so much in the span of about 12 minutes with Cameron Grimes versus Tyler Bate and then Killian Dane versus Tyler Bate, Killian Dane versus Pete Dunn. This is the second time we've seen Killian Dane come in after a Cameron Grimes match. Like there's so many layers. It's like its own little onion inside of NXT. Just this one little segment. It was great. Hey, you're doing business. You're making the most of your time, and that's what you absolutely need to do. And going through, you know, this entire like you're talking about going back to you know the opening ladies match, how it's kind of foreshadowing. I mean, they're tying things together perfectly right now. I, I know the numbers aren't there. You still got that, you know, that I guess what that honeymoon stage with AEW, uh, but NXT is really you know coming out of you know where they just swung for the fence that opening week. They're really coming together. With structuring their program and we're seeing what has really made the brand so strong for all these years we also got to see the undisputed eras bobby fish and kyle o'reilly defeat the basketball bros keith lee and matt riddle their first time teaming up as a tag team glad we got to see that wednesday before they showed up on smackdown last night and then afterwards we get the announcement from tomaso Ciampa, goldie you're gonna have to wait because daddy's going to war that means that we're gonna get some Team Champa versus the Undisputed Era, which Rick, I really don't like because that means all of the championships are going to be wrapped up in that one match with Undisputed Era holding all the gold. So we're not going to have a tag team match. We're not going to have the North American title match. We're not going to have an NXT championship match. Is, is that worth sacrificing all that for war games? We've had the conversation a few times here. Um, I would have been okay with that. You know, I would have been okay with it. But now we've got now on top of that, we've got two war games matches that well, now we don't know officially that they're gonna this is what the men's direction's gonna be, but you know, that they're giving us that teaser here. Sure seems uh, like it's it. easily to kind of connect those dots. Um, so now we're going back to almost that feel of okay, we gotta have two rumbles because we gotta have one for the men, one for the women. And then in that match, you've got the women's championship tied up. So that's not even gonna be on your undercard. So you're going to have absolutely zero. Well, I guess maybe the cruiserweight championship would be your only championship defended on the undercard here. So you've got that. You've got that coming into play. You've got two war games matches coming into play. And then now what we know from last night, now NXT has got to sell two different shows. Yeah. The other problem with this is I understand, obviously, Undisputed Era, four-man team, completely makes sense. Tommaso Ciampa on the other side. Champa's going to war. Champa doesn't have any friends. 
Ciampa's beaten everybody up in NXT. Ciampa's burned every bridge that he has in NXT, with maybe the exception of Johnny Watch's wrestling, uh, which seems like he is going to have the big grudge match against Finn Balor. You have to assume that's going to happen at TakeOver, right? So Johnny Watch's wrestling, he's not going to be available for the War Games match because Balor's going to drop him on his freaking head again. So who in the hell is going to tag with Tommaso Ciampa? Well, I think it's, you know, not necessarily that you want to that you want to befriend or come to the aid of Ciampa, but it's more about it's more about your hate and disgust towards Undisputed Era. So and? we gotta start looking at, you know, who would want to get their hands on them and take that shot. And then there's the other part that Ciampa has to put together a Survivor Series team. Well, if that is the case there. You know, there's still a lot yeah. on the table that we're not sure of how they're going to play this thing out. But, you know, I, I think when it comes to like a Survivor Series, you're probably going to see more of a Triple H take that leader role where you don't know who he's going to select to represent there. So, I mean, you could end up having where you've got people that have just gone to war, gone to hell inside of war games one night against each other, having to turn around and team up the next night. And I guess there is a little bit of intrigue there, but when you're building these stories, it seems to take, it seriously takes away from that. Yeah. Agreed. So let's talk about the best story in the company. I was going to say real quick, you know, with this entire thing, and I'm not really sure where you're going with this one, but you know, Finn Balor is going to be a great wild card in this entire thing. You know, was he sent there as a plant? You know, is he a secret agent? You know, why did he just suddenly show up and proclaim he is NXT? What is his true intention? The best story in the company belongs to Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano, or as I'm now calling him, Johnny Watches Wrestling. Uh, I thought that promo out of Finn Balor was fantastic, uh, with the exception of him saying that he laid down for Bray Wyatt. Uh, I don't like that shit in a promo at any time. Anytime that you're exposing the business inside of a promo like that, just maybe don't do it. What I did like, though, was Finn Balor talking about all the fans. No, not the fans at Full Sail. All the fans that are in the back. There are too many fans in his locker room, and he's going to turn Johnny Gargano into Johnny Watches Wrestling instead of Johnny Wrestling when he whips his ass and just takes him out so he can no longer wrestle. Rick, this is exactly the Prince Devitt character. This is exactly what everybody's wanted out of Finn Balor. There was just that one asinine comment about him laying down for Bray Wyatt. Why in the hell would he put that in a promo? Well, I think this goes to where it kind of works about the fans in the back, and he's going to turn Johnny wrestling into Johnny watches wrestling. I think that works in this dynamic with this crowd. Absolutely would have hated something like this, you know, on that bigger on that bigger stage. I think that's a, where they just overthought it. They just went a little too far with trying to you know hit that inside shit with with the smarks great promo finn just turning finn heel and letting him be prince devitt letting him be the finn balor that he wants to be just seems like his confidence is back something that we haven't seen out of finn balor pretty much since he returned from that terrible arm injury let's well, you, uh, you know what i'd really like to see in this show people are really excited to see him in nxt uh, you know, th- with this interaction now between all the brands, and, and now that we're getting this Finn Balor, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really a part of me. I'm hoping that you know, when this comes full circle, that we do get a full reunion, that he ends up joining AJ and the Good Brothers. 
I want to see him beat up AJ and take the good brothers from him. That's what I want to see. Maybe that's how we turned AJ back babyface. Hey, you know, you know what? What could be a hot program? You want something really big. You you want to tear it up with some stable wars, especially going into WrestleMania season. You have Finn reclaim the Good Brothers, so you put those guys together, uh, and then go find a, a couple of Impact guys to come to AJ's side. Uh, you know, immediately Joe comes to mind. And, and I know there's a handful of other individuals that we could put in there. I just don't know which one would be the perfect fit for that third that third spot. Probably Bobby Roode. I think about that. Yeah, it, it, I just wish they would handle him because Bobby's so good on his own. And he's so good with that different cocky character there. Yeah. Um, Eric Young. <laughs> you'd, have to, you'd have to do a lot of repackaging there. Yeah, a lot of repackaging because EY. I guess, it, I guess it would have to be to be Bobby Roode at this point. It's, it's something I'm going to look into here EC3? and maybe revisit. He wasn't really with them. He was no. Was he even in the company with them really for a short period, a very short period? Yeah, that's when AJ all that you know the real fallout was happening. Do, do you think that WWE creative gives a shit about how much overlap there was between the two? You know, like the story well, is still there. I, well, I, as we're talking about, you know, you really have to build back up Eric Young. I think there is, you know, a bigger issue rebuilding EC3. I think I think it's easier to rebuild EC3 than EY at this point. But again, you know, he doesn't he doesn't need that crew to ride with. Yeah, that's true. Let's uh, chef. Let's talk about Ring of Honor. Uh, Ring of Honor has two big shows coming up this weekend, both of which I was looking forward to talking to you about. And then it kind of hit the fan yesterday when it comes to ROH. A uh, couple of interesting kind of sub notes before we jump into the, the craziness with Joey Mercury. Bandito is out now for about seven to eight weeks. He just had knee surgery. Final battle, December 13th. So they're kind of eyeballing that for his return. Jay Lethal also suffers a broken arm in the UK against PCO. And uh, that was kind of, from my understanding, the jumping point with this Joey Mercury story, because uh, as I'm going to refer to him on this show for my own job security, Gigi was not even in the building. Uh, Didn't find out until well after the fact about Jay Lethal breaking his freaking arm. Um, And that really kind of set Joey Mercury off. So Joey Mercury has left Ring of Honor. Uh, Originally, everything was reported that This thing kind of ended amicably, uh, working backstage as a producer. He was also in charge of the dojo for Ring of Honor, the position that he took over from BJ Whitmer. And then, Rick, it just kind of hit the fan Um, because immediately people started talking smack about Joey Mercury. We got to see Kelly Klein, friend of the show, come to uh, Joey Mercury's defense. Also saw BJ Whitmer start tweeting right away about how great Joey Mercury was to work with. Don't know Joey, never had a conversation with him, never met the guy, but I've heard nothing but good things from the ROH talent about him. And unfortunately, I've heard nothing but bad things about Gigi. Rick, it seems as though ROH is in some serious trouble if what Joey Mercury was saying on that Twitter feed is accurate. Well, let me ask you this here uh, with, with Mr. Gigi, as we will. Um, what is his background? I mean, where, where did he come from? How did he land this position? He's, I mean, is, he's been there longer than I have, man. I don't know. Is, is this a case of though? I mean, you take somebody um, that is a, is a true, true outsider. 
that really doesn't have any tie, any like even basic understanding of this of the professional wrestling business. And, and we know how touchy those that are inside the business that they are. Uh, where you know it's very protective. It, they, they firmly believe that it is a business unlike any other. It, it should be treated as so. You, you walk on eggshells with everything as you know that kind of that outsider. Everything with respect. Believe me, you know as planning the hot tag wrestling show and all that. I, I've learned that um, everything I went through there. You know I had a locker room leader uh, made suggestions for when it came to creative. I had uh, a small handful of guys that I went to and would I would very go to them all the time. You know what. These are three options. Which ones would you guys prefer? Um, I know how to handle events. I know how to handle marketing. I know how to put together events. I, I know all that stuff. But when it came to what was going on inside there, I know the production and all that. I, I want you guys to control this. I want you to feel that you have this. And I got a feeling when you run into some of these individuals like Gigi, that they don't take that approach where, okay, they know how it works in corporate America. So we're going to apply it here. So for those who don't know, Gigi is the general manager of Ring of Honor. So this is a position that basically reports directly to Joe Coff. Um, Rick, at this point... And I guess real quick, not to confuse, we're not talking about like a general manager that you see on WWE television. No, this, this is... This is a general manager like sitting up in the office, signing talent, running the, the day-to-day operations. Handling travel, general managers. Yes. travel, injury issues... Uh, security issues is one of the big things that was talked about in that series of tweets from Joey Mercury. Um, Rick, ROH has to tighten up uh, one way or another, and I'm not necessarily sure how to do it. If this is something that has to happen like from the Sinclair level going down, or if this is something that Joe Coff can step in and take a bit more of a more active approach to ROH rather than being basically an office head. You know what I mean? Uh, 100%. And it, and it seems like in this position, you know, as I was asking, you know, what his background was, what was, if you knew, understood like his feeling towards professional wrestling, how long he has actually been in this position, if they've had previous like major complaints. He's been there, like for, he's been there for over a decade. Like he's been there as long as he's been running this shit forever. And it's so just, this could, I mean, this could be a case of where, you know, he's just growing tiresome in his own position. It, it, uh, it seems know. like he is just lackadaisical. And, you know, we, we hear the out of touch when, when in reference to Vince McMahon, when it comes to the audience all the time, what I hear is that he's out of touch just with the talent. Like he doesn't even know who half the talent is that he signs. Okay, so it, it seems like he is becoming very lackadaisical uh, and just flat out lazy in his job. That he is on cruise control. He's been there for a decade. Probably feels that he is very safe. He knows the position of Ring of Honor under the Sinclair umbrella. Uh, he's got some kind of protection there, so he's not—he's not really applying himself right now. And if this wasn't an issue, you know, a decade ago, that means that he was heavily involved there, that he knew what was going on, and now he's making a choice to, to just neglect those responsibilities. That's going to be a major issue. It seems like in this position, you just need someone that's going to be on the ball, that's going to you know take care of, show concern, and just be up to speed with what the trends that are going on here. And to me, what would be so frustrating is you know not just from looking at it from you know like what what Joey Mercury is looking at it, what the talents might be looking at it is is anyone that that feels that they could slide into that position. I mean, it doesn't seem as long as you were committed and you're taking care of individuals. 
you could make this thing go in a right direction. And Ring of Honor desperately needs that right now. It's got such a great history, such a great foundation, and you know you got you're you're in a safe spot. You know, it's not you know where you know, maybe like an MLW where one thing can blow you out of the water. You've got Sinclair behind you. You are sitting okay here. It just seems like a great job, and you know he's just throwing it away. Yeah, and I think it's kind of reflected on the ROH program over the course of the last year. You know, with with the elite leaving, yeah, it hurt ROH in a lot of ways, but the biggest thing that it did was it exposed a lot of issues inside of that company with the booking philosophy and with the way that that company runs. And I think this weekend, as much as this looks like these are going to be two really fun shows, are perfect examples of this because Tonight in Pittsburgh, we have the ROH experience, and it's almost like, uh, remember when, uh, what was that? Was it um, Taboo Tuesday when the, when the WWE ran the, the gimmick where you could vote online and, and pick all the stipulations for the matches and whatnot? That's what they're doing tonight. And then tomorrow night in Columbus, Ohio, they're presenting ROH Unauthorized, and this thing is being ran by Colt Cabana. And it is a very Colt Cabana-like show. And it looks absolutely ridiculous. It looks absolutely hilarious. I'm going to watch it. But if you're a serious company and you're trying to gain traction inside of this very, very clouded pro wrestling environment in the United States right now, are these the two shows you want to be putting on? Well, I was going to say, we were running through these things. I mean, this is absolutely, I mean, this, this turns into, you're just running, this is Gimmick City. You're turning more into that circus style. And I know it's, it's kind of fun to sit here and look at this second show that, that Colt's presenting. Uh, but, I mean, this is closer to, you know, to barroom wrestling. Yeah, very yeah, much this, so. This, this, looks, this looks exactly like what I was trying to go with with Hot Tag because it was a different dynamic. You're getting away from the seriousness of it. But does that work under the, the umbrella of Ring of Honor? Uh, I tell you what, they'll, they'll probably, you know, outside of some of these just crazy matches we're going to run through on this Cole Cabana show, but uh, I think probably the best reaction is going to be how, is the uh, response from Jim Cornette. Oh, yeah, because you can bet that's coming. You can bet. Let's talk about tonight in Pittsburgh. World six-man tag team championships on the line. It's going to be Villain Enterprises defending against whoever the fans vote for. It's just going to be a match, you know, with – Three random guys thrown together. Well, it's going to be, uh, you got option A, B, and C. A, lifeblood. B, lifeblood. C, wait for it, wait for it. The bouncers life and lifeblood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dragon Lee versus either Eli Isom, um, Jeff Cobb, Kenny King, or PJ Black. It's going to be a fan vote. Who do you want to see Dragon Lee face off against here? You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go with our buddy, man, PJ Black. I'm going to go with Kenny King. Seems like Kenny King is uh, getting kind of close with uh, Roosh, Dragon Lee's brother. So I think that could be uh, kind of a fun dynamic. Jonathan Gresham is going to take on Mark Haskins in a fans pick the stipulation match. Rick, is there any chance this ends up? I don't know. Maybe a submission match. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah somewhere in there. Uh, so when these when these will probably get because WWE used to do this uh, when they did their Taboo Tuesday. So we'll probably get uh, a submission match, uh, I quit match, or a tap out match. <laughs> <laughs> they would do that a couple times. They they would do it all the time with with their. 
Tracy Williams is going to take on Flip Gordon in another fans pick the stipulation match. And then we're going to see this is this one's just strange to me. Roosh versus Matt Taven. And they're both going to have partners. Now, the two partners that are advertised are Jay Lethal and Dalton Castle. Obviously, it's not going to be Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal just broke his arm. So we're going to have to substitute out. But the fans are going to get to vote which two guys are going to tag with which other two guys. Okay. Well, I think in, in either case, we're probably going to end up with uh, what Castle and Roosh. I, yeah, that seems like it's a, a pretty safe bet. Let's talk about ROH Unauthorized this Sunday, presented by Colt Cabana, Columbus, Ohio. This this is just fantastic. Losers Must Unmask match. It's advertised as El Lethal and Jeffe Cabo taking on Delirious and Mini Delirious. Losers have to unmask. I'm guessing Delirious and Mini Delirious win, and we'll find out who El Lethal and Jeffe Cabo would be. This just sounds absolutely fucking ridiculous, doesn't it? You know, the last time I saw Jeff Cobb in a mask, he was pretty scary. Cheeseburger, double cheeseburger, and triple cheeseburger, otherwise known as the bouncers, are going to take on the team of Dalton Whitecastle, Burger Flip Gordon, and Kenny Burger King. I mean, God bless Colt Cabana, right? Uh, this one. Did- I, could, I could almost just, I, I could hear the, 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 the pulsation of the vein coming out of Cornette's <laughs> fucking neck. Well, maybe this one will make him feel a little bit better because you want to see two big hosses go out there and just absolutely kill one another. Dan Maff is going to take on PCO. Dan Maff hasn't been in ROH in like 14 years. If you don't know who he is, I highly suggest that you look him up on Google. He's incredibly entertaining. Friend of mine on Facebook. Rick, are you familiar with Mr. Maff? I was going to say, I'm looking for I'm looking forward to return here. Uh, as we're talking about these two hosses ready to, <laughs> to just knock it out of the park. I mean, it doesn't need a gimmick slapped on it. You don't need to trick this one out. Nope. Uh, it's going to take care of itself. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll save that. We'll save the next one because this might be my favorite stipulation ever. Uh, Ultimo Guerrero versus Jonathan Gresham. I'm looking forward to that. Two technical wizards. That'll be fantastic. Shane Taylor and a partner of his choosing are going to take on Marty Skrull and Brody King. Sumi Sakai and Jenny Rose versus Angelina Love and Mandy Leone. So at least those couple of matches, you know, it shows that Colt Cabana is in touch with ROH and what's actually going on in the company, wants to, to book some good matches. And then he has this. If your partner kicks out, take a shot match. Yeah, this is the thing. Huckleberry, this is right up your alley. It's going to be Josh Woods versus Mark Briscoe. I'm Team McLovin, absolutely. Silas Young and Jay Briscoe on commentary. And the stipulation is, if your partner kicks out, you have to take a shot. You You know know? what? We're we're gimmicking this thing out. I absolutely love this match. I was at, honest to God truth, having a conversation last week at a wrestling show. We were trying to come up like how to work in drinking games into a professional wrestling match for a bar show. Nailed and, it. and here we go. Colt Cabana has done it. The genius of Colt Cabana has done it for me here. But here's what I really love here in this stipulation. It's something that has bothered me, bothered me my almost my entire existence. What I like here is if your partner kicks out, you are rewarded with taking a shot. 
See, you, you get the reward. What kills me in drinking games is you're, you're punished by drinking. Like, if you suck at the game, you drink. The whole point should be to get drunk. The better you are, the more you should drink. If you suck at the game, whatever it might be, quarters, uh, a card game, you're terrible at it. No, your ass should be sober at the end of the night. You're the one who should be driving home just because I dominated you, just because I can sink you know, all the quarters into the glass there. I should be the one passed out on the floor just because I'm good at the card game, asshole. I should be rewarded. I shouldn't be standing there sober because you suck at something. All incredibly valid points. I'm with you 100%. Uh, my only advice to Ring of Honor with this matchup, if you're using real alcohol, is um, make sure that you're on a seven-second delay because I can imagine what it sounds like when Silas Young and Jay Briscoe get intoxicated in the same place at the same time. I mean, my God. What do you think the over-under are on uh, kickouts here? I'm going to say 23. A total. See, me and a, with a right partner, I could do that during a match. I'd be, I'd be okay on commentary with it. Well, it also depends on what the hell you're drinking. Well, again, I mean, what would it be? You know me, I usually throw down Hunter proof. I'm a Yukon Jack guy. And I can put down, you know, I can put down damn near if I'm on a roll close to a damn bottle. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I have a feeling that both Silas Young and Jay Briscoe are going to be lit to the freaking moon, and it's basically going to turn into a bar fight. Like that, you know what? That's what I'm expecting. I, I'm kind of thinking of, like, we applied this to the platforms we're on. I, I don't think there's anyone here on the hitting the marks platform that would keep up with me with it. I'm trying to think there's anyone over with Hami. I guess maybe me and Ben could sit down and do some uh, some whiskey. Yeah, not my cup of tea. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. I know. Ben likes to, to sip on his whiskey, so I, I think me and him, me and him, could probably pull this down on commentary. Uh, so I guess it would be. Uh, I guess that would have to be. Then it would be you versus Stevie in the match. Oh shit! Well, I think Ben's probably safe because I don't think there's going to be any pin attempts on Stevie. <laughs> how many times are you going to kick out? I don't know, man. I don't know how many Stevie kicks I could eat and kick out. How, how much how much heat would you get for kicking out of a Stevie kick? Yeah, right. <laughs> Shit. I mean, it is it is 2019. I'd be sent. I mean, do we, do I'd be sent to over protect, to Wrestle Zone after that. Do we have to protect the Stevie kick in 2019? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, wow, we're so far off the rails at this point. Let's uh, let's let, let's talk about New Japan. <laughs> Look at this card we're talking about. <laughs> right, valid. <laughs> Let's talk about New Japan. New Japan is going to present a very different show tomorrow morning. It's going to be Power Struggle live from Osaka, one of my favorite venues in the entire world. And Rick, I can't wait. I can't wait. This show is going to be awesome. IWGP Intercontinental Championship is going to headline the show. It's going to be Switchblade Jay White taking on Roman Reigns. That's why he wasn't on SmackDown last night. He went from Saudi Arabia to Japan. He's going to challenge Jay White. Oh, no, no. It's Hiroki Goto. Hiroki Goto versus Switchblade Jay White for the Intercontinental Championship. Sorry. They just look so much alike. This is kind of like Roman Reigns versus Roman Reigns. Yeah, it really kind of is. Switchblade over strong, right? Like, there's no question here. This is going to be Switchblade over strong. Yeah, but still, I think it's going to be a tremendous bout between the two. Never open weight championship on the line. I can't wait for this. Kenta faces off with Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah, if you want to see 
guys get kicked in the head, bloody noses, some maybe some broken appendages. This is going to be the matchup for you, Huckleberry. Kent is going to retain though, right? Uh, I'm actually I'm with you again on this one. You got to keep rolling with Kenta, but it's not a really about the outcome here. This could be about the performance. I mean, if you want to feel a little awkward watching a wrestling match while being, you know, highly entertained, this is going to be it. This is one of these matches that scares the hell out of me to watch it live because I'm I'll set my alarm and I'll get up at the ass crack of fucking dawn to watch this shit, right? And I have to sit on the couch watching this on my big screen and try to not wake up my six year old. Like, because these two guys, every, it's, oh, oh, shit, don't do that. Oh, that's what happens when you're watching Kenta versus Ishii. Yeah, you know, I, I got a feeling, you know, that would maybe a regular six-year-old. I got a feeling if you let your six-year-old know this match is happening, she's going to be right up with that. She did make me wake her up for Wrestle Kingdom last year. So that is a true story. Uh, Tatsuya Naito is going to face off with Taichi. Um, Taichi, is, he was pissed. All right. He was supposed to face off with Tetsuya Naito at King of Pro Wrestling for the Intercontinental Championship, and Naito lost the damn thing. Right. So Taichi was pissed and he whipped Naito's ass. And now we're going to get a singles match between these two. And it's going to be Tetsuya Naito whipping Taichi's ass. Right. Like, no question. That's what's going to happen. Well, you here. know, I'm still waiting for Naito to take a little time off here. I mean, it's still obvious he's dealing with some issues. Uh, some injury issues. Well, we could we this be a way. I doubt we see him again uh, between now and Wrestle Kingdom. Okay. So, okay. If that is the case, I was wondering, you know, maybe if this is a way to get him off of the road or anything that they need him with. Uh, but yeah, I'd have him go over strong here, have him come out there, whoop his ass. Then, he's, then he just goes into a uh, vacation period until we start seriously gearing up here. Well, hell, you got to think. We only got two two months. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Wrestle Kingdom. Here's what I'm thinking. All right. So Naito puts down Taichi. Absolutely no problem, okay? We already know it's going to be Okada versus Ibushi facing off on January 4th because Okada told Ibushi, if you want to go after both titles, we're going to do this on night one because I'm going to end your miserable life the first night so you don't even have to worry about the second one. So we know that that match is going down the first night. Jay White retains, and then I assume Naito comes out and challenges Jay White. For January 4th and thus the four are set the two winners will face off on the fifth that's absolutely what I'm expecting I'm done with that word Okada and Yoshihashi are going to take on the team of Ibushi and Tanahashi this is freaking weird okay because obviously on one side you have Okada on the other side you have Ibushi that makes sense Okada likes to team with Yoshihashi I can get behind that, but Okada also likes to tag with Tanahashi, and we have Ibushi and Tanahashi as tag partners. This one seems kind of strange to me, with the exception of this is a way to get Tanahashi out there. I expect that we get a video pre-tape from one AEW El Champion, Chris Jericho, challenging Hiroshi Tanahashi to a matchup at Wrestle Kingdom tonight after this tag match. Uh, I mean, could you see it interrupting this match? In, in, I thought about that, but it's not in Fukuoka. It, if it was okay. in Fukuoka, I would be with you, but it's in Osaka. So I'm, I'm going with the video package tonight. Uh, so what do you think? In, uh, Hashi takes the pin here? Absolutely. 100%. Yoshihashi out there to eat the pin. Uh, could you see 
to kind of make a statement to it's a little intrigue because Okada, you know, what he is what he has said to Ibushi, hey, I'm putting you down. Could you see Ibushi getting a pin on Okada? It's possible. Um, I, I you know, add, a, add a little more fuel to that fire there. Throughout, you know, hey, you said you're going to put me down. You're going to put me out of my resume night one. Well, you know, suck on this. Uh, throughout the course of the next couple of months, uh, we're going to have World Tag League starting. Uh, that kicks off on November 16th. It runs through December 8th. Evil and Sonata, the two-time defending champions. I assume that we're going to see a lot of Okada in a tag partner versus Ibushi in a tag partner on the undercard of World Tag League. And they'll kind of go back and forth with wins. Tonight, I expect Tanahashi gets the pin over Yoshihashi. And then we get Jericho. That's that makes sense. I mean, that makes more sense to they've put put the ace in that ultimate role there, and you're not going to put him over the champion because then you obviously that puts him into that picture, you know, that very right. confusing picture of that four way little dance we've got going on there. Uh, that makes absolute sense. You give the ace the pin here over uh, over Hashi, and then you have Jericho as, as they're celebrating the Jericho message. Yep. Yes. Uh, just added, shortly before we started recording today, Bushi is going to face off with Will Ospreay for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, which begs the question, Huckleberry, what in the ever-loving fuck has Bushi done to earn a shot at the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship? Spoiler alert, the answer is nothing. He has done nothing to earn a shot at the junior championship. He is out there just for Will Ospreay to beat. And then his friend comes and returns to challenge Will Ospreay for the Tokyo Dome on January 4th. Dicking time bomb! Hiromu's coming back tonight. Night of night of uh, big surprises, big returns. Hiromu debuted at Power Struggle. It only makes sense he would return at Power Struggle. Bushi is the junior of LIJ. Hiromu is a junior inside of LIJ. They're friends. They should have been teaming together on Super Junior Tag League. Instead, they put Bushi in this matchup against Osprey. Osprey puts him down. Hiromu comes out and challenges Osprey. It all makes complete sense super junior tag league final is going to be the team of suzuki goon el desperado and kanamaro facing off with rapungi 3k did you get to see the picture of will osprey and robbie eagles dressed up as rapungi 3k for fucking halloween that shit was uh, hilarious yeah it, it's it's right up there you know top 10 of what we've seen some from some some of the wrestling uh costumes but yeah it was it was really really good that was great uh so suzuki goon versus rapungi 3k ishimori and elp while they t- finished tied with both of these teams both of these teams beat the iwgp junior heavyweight tag team champions in the tournament so they are on the outside looking in huckleberry who you got desperado and kanamaru or show and yo oh, man going at this thing you know i'm gonna I'm going to be rooting for him. I know they're going to pull this thing off, but I'm going to be rooting for uh, Rapungi. I'm on the other side, man. I'm going with Desperado and Kane Amaro. Of course, I'm a huge mark for Suzuki Goon. Also saw our friend uh, Lance Archer going back over across the pond. He's going to be tagging up with Suzuki and another one of the guys to take on a bunch of jobbers. Everybody dies. Um, This has very much been the El Desperado return tour since returning from that broken jaw. Um, 
it seems like they're really going to just push him to the moon. Obviously, other stuff going on with the singles title. I'm looking for them to take these titles back from Ishimori and ELP. They had, they were the champions before. Had a great run with the belts. I expect it's going to happen again. Uh, World Tag League, like I said, November 16th through December 8th. And after that, it is on to Wrestle Kingdom. Huckleberry, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we don't see Naito at all on that tour. Uh, as you said, you know, and it's I, I ask you each and every time out that we're running down these New Japan cars, you know, when is it enough? Is it going to be enough with the uh, the nagging injuries? Are be they're more obvious, you know, each and every time out there. He needs his time off. I said we're two months away, uh, but I'm sure they know what they're doing. You know, they, they've got the medical staff, you know, checking up on him, taking care of whatever is there. But he, yeah, he needs he needs this break here. Are you going with Evil and Sonata to pull off the Michael Jordan three peat? and win World Tag League three years in a row. You know, I think it would be, it's an incredible accomplishment, and I think it's something that, that they have earned, and I think it's something that they need. I think so, too, because I, as I look at the card, as it's starting to fill out for Wrestle Kingdom at this point, as important as Evil and Sonata have been throughout all of 2019 as single stars, I don't see where either one of them fit into the card for Wrestle Kingdom as singles, right? So they, they win World Tag League, challenge G.O.D. inside the Dome. Makes sense, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that, I mean, history tells the story itself. Yeah, absolutely. And then you add on as a, as a three-time winner, you know, that's history in itself, right? Yeah, I don't. Said, at least not in recent memory. Uh, we, we've had multiple back-to-back but I don't think we've had a three-peat in quite a while. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. Shout out to our boy Joe Morin from Turnbuckle Talk. Huckleberry, we're going to have a new show coming to the HTM Podcast Network, HTM Tech. He's uh, getting together with one of his buddies. There's going to be a tech podcast coming to the HTM Earholes. Looking forward to that. Um, then visit the Roar Network over at thegorillaposition.com where they tell the stories, pro wrestling storytellers. Visit our friends over at lastwordonprowrestling.com. Get the latest on this entire Saudi situation. You know the entire team over there is all over it. You can follow me across all social media platforms at NotJargoRBV. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the gaijin find you? Well, you know, one thing here real quick. Uh, talking about three-time champions, you know, why the season is wrapping up. Let's talk about another three-time champ. Did you know that? In our lifetime, or even before our lifetime, Candy Corn is a three-time number one Halloween handout treat. Uh, it's only it, it it shares that distinction with Reese's Reese cups. So I mean, you're you're talking about greatness. For all them haters out there, just one more reason for you to to straight up just turn that candy corn sideways and stick it straight up there. You're talking about the nerds, aren't you? The nerds. And then I hey, and then another affront here on the nerds as well. Uh, the tech guys that we got coming in here as the chief branding officer. If I have to tell you, Joe, one more time, it's hashtag HTM tech. We have a certain, certain way we do things around here. So I've seen the logo. There better be a hashtag on it by the time that show airs. But outside of that, you can keep up with, with me, Rick Bakery, across all social media platforms at The Real RPV. Jargo, I just got one more question before you kick us out of here. Who does everybody hate? Seth freaking Rollins.
we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give up. Yeah. <laughs>